You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. My name is Noam Dwarman. I'm the owner of the Comedy Cellar. Today, we do not have Mr. Dan Natterman, uh, but in his stead, I guess we have Mr. Joe Mackey. Uh, Thank you, Noam. One of the greatest comedians and smartest people in the world. I actually do think you're, you may be extremely... You, have, you know what your IQ is? I do. It's high, right? It is. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us what it is? I better not. I don't want to make anyone feel bad. Uh, you, you, you won't make me feel bad. No. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you might feel bad. What? Uh, what what's, you can tell me. You don't uh, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. Is it upwards of 140? Ass. Pat, wow. I, I don't want to say Wow, it. Joe. I'm gonna, I'm That's a 160 best. answer there, so I think I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you must. Are you as smart as Donald Trump? Anyway, uh, on, uh, on uh, second, uh, also we have a Periel Ashenbrand is our um, our producer and uh, and co-host, and our guest of honor today, Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy has run campaigns for Republicans, including Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mitt Romney, John McCain, and Jeb Bush. He's an NBC News analyst, a writer and producer in Hollywood, and co-host the Hacks, uh, uh, the Hacks on Tap. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Whenever I say hacks, <laughs> Joe cringes. And co-host the Hacks on Tap podcast with David Axelrod. Thank Welcome. you for having me. This is great. Well, thank you for coming. That's, this is fantastic. Can I tell you something before, before we get into the politics? So just this second, like I'm, I'm actually literally having a little like anxiety attack. Because just this second, somebody sent me um, an article. <sighs> the title of the article is Dumb Doorman, even though I'm Dwarman. And this is somebody trying to blow the lid off our podcast, which is something I've been worried about for a long time. Now, they they quote me at length here, but I I think it's okay. They quote me complaining about those um, historians that took down the 1619 project a few weeks ago. And and me talking about that, me talking about my daughter coming home. My daughter's mixed race. My daughter coming home and complaining. Asking daddy, uh, t- my daughter came and said, Daddy, you're white. You treat people badly. And, and I, obje- she, like, she was first grade. I objected to that. And I guess that makes me racist adjacent for, for even talking about that. Um, but I, it, it's so long, I didn't even read the Goodness. whole Jesus thing. Jesus Christ. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. I see that. Yeah, well, you send that to me? Yeah, I'll send it to you Who? afterwards. So we have to really, really think, rethink this podcast. Anyway, because that's <laughs> all I need is to, to get taken down for something stupid that I say. Um, this is a, a subject we could talk about forever, but I, I actually think, and maybe I'll start here before we get into the other stuff. I think this is the great issue of our time. More than any other political issue, more than any national security issue, uh, we're losing our ability to speak freely, and, and the mob is set up to, to use the word cancel us, but to, to, to punish us in a way that no court ever could just for saying something that is not the you know ex- acceptable thing to say of the day. Do you, you, you worry about that stuff? I do. I do. It's one of these things where the motive for it has high moral authority, but that doesn't mean a dictatorship where there is no speech. There's got to be equilibrium to it, and it feels like the pressure is to overshoot. 
I'm a big uh, Mark Lilla fan. I don't know if you've, you you got to have mine. He's a Columbia tenured professor, so they you know he's still there. But he wrote the Once and Future Liberal, uh, I think two years ago, a year ago, which is kind of an attack on identity politics. And it's a lot about the environment on campuses where now there are no arguments often. There's a power statement. Speaking as a refrigerator, you know nothing about vegetables, so therefore you can't talk. And, and how that corrosive thing has started to take over the academy and intellectual discourse, and it's wrong. You know, we, 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 we have to be respectful of each other. They're norms. But this idea that because of my gene code, I have to shut the hell up all the time is, uh, you know, is ridiculous. And it's, it's counter to the values that built the country. Now, we, we've gone way over, and I, I, I'm a right-wing Republican, but I, uh, I give our president credit for some of this. The civility that used to kind of glue everything together is being torn apart. And that is a problem because it creates an attitude or an environment where people can err on all sides, and then it just becomes tribal warfare, which is the whole idea of America is not to have that. And, and we, but it does also predate him because oh sure so, some of the reason he was elected I think was people objecting to this straight jacket of, of political, yeah. co- political correctness. What do you think, yeah. Joe? Yeah, because you're a comedian, you suffer from this, especially with your high IQ. You're liable to say something, get yourself in trouble. Yeah, I'm actually uh, my a lot of my new act is kind of trying to have fun with this by raising the tension and lowering it about this stuff. But uh, yeah, the melting pot, even suggesting that it's a good thing, is now considered racist and. Uh, even even the term white supremacist is thrown around so commonly Easily, now yeah. that it, it almost has no meaning. It, even what we saw in Jersey City just a couple of nights ago where uh, people who belong to a group called the Black Israelites uh, attacked a Jewish grocery store. And what, what happened a few months back with the Covington kids is these there were members of that group shouting racist stuff at these, these kids at, the, at a pro-life march in Washington, D.C., and the, the kids really handled it pretty well. But the, the uh, media, and social media especially, ran with the narrative that these kids were the problem. And when we found out that wasn't true, instead of focusing a light on this other group, we just ignored it because that didn't fit the narrative. And I think that's, that's what you see. It's like some racism is acceptable depending on who's doing it. There's identity politics and what's acceptable racism. But right. also they, they, they put landmines around the most issue, most interesting issues to talk about, whether it's, when I say most interesting, I mean, I'm saying the, the, the things that we ought to be talking about the most, whether it's racism, whether it's issues of sexuality and sexism, I mean, you name it, they set it up so one side is all, can say whatever they want, including attacking you or attacking me yeah. for the fact that it came out of a white skin. And the other side, if you're struggling when to find... When there's so many other ways to attack you, Noam. That's the thing that <laughs> makes it illegitimate. Gnome Doorman, that's a good one. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I always say that... But I, I used to think this even as a kid, that you should be able to read the arguments on the page and you shouldn't even have to know the color. I mean, it shouldn't matter to you who right. said it. Right. But you have Nicole Hannah-Jones. I always, get, I always say I want to say Nicole Hannah-Smith because it's, it's Nicole Smith. Hannah and, Nicole Smith. Hannah, Nicole, yeah, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who when she was criticized by these historians, she says, well, you know, what do you expect essentially from, from white people? Right. And this is the New York Times. Like, that's, and that's okay. Well, that's, it, it, it's, you know, I'm going to sound like the old uh, Cold Warrior I am, but that's an old, old communist trick basically to say your economic or whatever background makes you incapable of knowing truth you're inherently biased and the problem with this it's all a power dynamic we go from a fair argument where facts count 
into this thing, well, it's my tribe versus your tribe, and my tribe has higher moral standing because of the past, so therefore you're automatically wrong. Therefore, I'm right, you're evil. Right. And if you're evil, I can do anything to stop you. That's right. Because there's no argument anymore, it's just a power deal. Well, that's actually, that might be a good, a good entree into the Donald Trump stuff. Because I think the, um, if you're evil, I think I can stop you, might be behind a lot of what's gone on. Uh, I had said for a long time that I thought the explanation in the end would be analogous to um, the ticking time bomb scenario in, in torture. When you, when you think there's a nuclear bomb in Times Square, you will torture. And, you know, that, uh, you know right, to, right. to find out the information. I I, think if you do, there's a lot of evidence that you're, you'll be looking in the wrong subway tunnel, but there will be no, in that situation, the government tends to try anything. Yeah, so, and I think that if you think that the president is uh, actually Vladimir Putin, if you, think the, if, if you think the president is now a Russian asset, uh, the rule book is not sufficient for that scenario. And therefore, you feel perfectly righteous about bending the rules in any way that you can in order to, to address it. And that's why I didn't think, and you, you know I said this, I didn't think it was about deep state political bias. I think it was, it was patriotism. And I, and I told you um, right when I met you that I think a good analogy is that police usually plant evidence on people they think are guilty. But where they go wrong is that the reason they think they're guilty is easy to believe they're guilty because they're black. And I think that's what happened with Trump and all this FISA stuff, which I think is very serious. But what's your read on well, that? Well, the FISA process we now know. I mean, this thing, whenever you put the electron microscope on something, you generally find trouble. Yes. And the FISA process, it's kind of a benefit. We've taken a hard look at it and it's screwed up. They're going to have to reform it. So I will, and I'm, you know, rabidly anti-Trump. I've, I've hated him since 93. I don't know where all the Johnny come lately came from. But tell, tell a little bit, why did you hate him in 93? Well, I work for, you know, I'm a political consultant in my, at least my former life. I work for a lot of candidates, and I was a consultant for Christine Todd Whitman for two terms, ran the campaign governor of New Jersey. Trump was in Atlantic City, wanted like a, you know, a parkway exit to his, anyway, he was Trump. So you can imagine the high-toned discourse. Uh, but the, So I disliked him from his behavior back then. But the, the point on the FISA thing and all that is you can find, and I agree if you're cop analogy, you, you can find a deal where somebody is on other dimensions and context guilty as hell, but on the speeding ticket you don't quite have them. But there's a tendency to have, well, confirmation by, you know, the guy's an asshole, so guess what, put the cuffs on him close enough, you know, we're going to get rid of him. That, and there is a little of that momentum to all this. The problem is, from my point of view, they are erring on the side of a bad guy being having the weight of government against him, which is a mistake I can kind of half-live with. I would like it to be perfect. I think Trump might have an argument here. He's kind of like, on the way to the mass murder, yes, he ran a red light, but it was really yellow. Maybe he's okay. But I still don't have a lot of sympathy for him. I thought today opened up FISA a little bit. There are problems. It was pretty clear. But the IG process Now, now, you, now when you say important. problems, it, it's, it's actually much more yeah. serious than that. I mean, it's it, fixable, it's, though. The whole, the whole thing in a democracy where the balance between wiretapping and who you investigate and who you don't is tricky. Because the more freedom you have, the more opportunity for terror and everything. You clamp down, you turn into Singapore, fine. You, you really have the terrorist thing under pretty good control. But you spit, next thing you know, you're getting whipped. So... You know, that, that is a living, breathing thing where that line is, and we now know FISA is pretty, pretty so, screwed up. So it's up. definitely fixable. 
I, I think so without perfection, but it can be yeah. improved. It has to be. But I just mean that the, the actual stuff that went on was not minor violations of, of rights and of kind of oaths. This was the most serious, like, like people who do this sort of thing. I always thought that a prosecutor who lies about a defendant or, or doesn't turn over exculpatory evidence, this is like one of the, 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 the I don't know if the lowest or highest rungs of Dante's Inferno. They're right there with like pedophile priests. And you hear these stories about the guy who put somebody in jail for murder and is, he knew he had the exculpatory information. It takes a special kind of person to do that. And when, and when you have people forging emails and hiding information and um, renewing warrants, and it seems like Comey did this, renewing warrants after finding out that the guy was known to be unreliable? You you know, the truth is, I don't know. I've spent very little time today looking at this. You know, I'm I'm obsessed with the Ukraine thing. The Mueller report kind of fizzled out on all this, so now we're investigating the investigation of the investigation. So let's let's finish the IG and then go on to Ukraine. Yeah. But... Anyway, so I, I just think it's quite serious. But I, I do want to ask for one thought experiment because I think this is I, – I've never approached this from the partisan point of view. I try to approach it from what's best for the country and what kind of damage is it doing to the country. And I think that the two years that we went through where people like Periel and other – High IQ individual. No, you like Periel. Uh, I do actually have a very high IQ. I was tested. Uh, right. People like Periel um, really believe that the, the that the, tr- the president was a, was a Russian asset, and people like Rachel Maddow are saying this. I'm, that this is tremendously damaging to the country. So my question is, if not for the Steele dossier, would there have been a Mueller report? Would there have been a special counsel? Probably not. Probably not. And is there any? brighter side like is there anything good that came out of that two years like any any silver linings to that cloud well from my point of view what we did learn is trump's as bad as i think he is uh just in behavior not understand not not direct law breaking in the Mueller thing but behaving in a way where his self-interest was put way ahead of the national interest where it's all about survival oh i if i was in a presidential campaign and people representing a foreign government came to me with a file, first call would be to the FBI. I think any grown-up campaign for president would do that. Because when you work in a presidential campaign, you're not doing a, you know, a Baltimore ward healers race. You understand the importance of it. And there are certain rules you play by to respect the institution of the presidency, and that meant nothing to Trump. Well, this is interesting to me, because you worked with John McCain. I did, in 2000. Yeah. he seems like the type of guy who would have had no part of that. Well, he was involved in the steel thing. You know, it came to him and he moved it on. No, I mean, if he was, if he was taking that, if he got that call for a meeting at Trump Tower, McCain would yeah. have gone to the FBI. He in a, like he, New York Minute. Yeah. I, I actually would have taken the meeting. So <laughs> well, I, that's I, why you're in the nightclub <laughs> business and not running for president, no? Because I feel like um, I have the same rights as any journalist who would definitely have taken. No journalist would have gone to the FBI first. And then, and then depending on what I got in the meeting, I would have decided to go to the FBI or decided to do whatever. But do you think that my feeling is that, like, Bill Clinton would have been smart enough not to take the meeting, but he certainly would have had Sid Blumenthal take the meeting. I don't think he would have gone to the FBI. I think Sid would have taken the meeting and then leaked it and not told anybody to get headlines about Sid Blumenthal. And then the Clintons would have dropped him like a stone, as but he guess. wouldn't have but run. But it's to hypothetical. The... Napoleon had nuclear subs. We all be speaking French. I mean, you're talking about a. I mean, like this. It all bleeds together. But like you know, abuse of power. Well, what was the Mark Rich part? 
like, you know. Oh, no, no, look, I, I, the, this is what my con- other conservative friends yeah. say. Hey, you yeah. anti-Trump idiot. Yeah. The Clintons were just as bad. No, I don't, like, think, I don't think know, they're just as bad. M- well, okay, Mussolini was bad. Okay, but yeah. that doesn't make Stalin good, you know, um, even if they were enemies. So you got to judge Trump on Trump. I, I was very harsh Clinton critic. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm no fan. I, I, I know it's crazy. I actually think it's okay to take that meeting if and and the the thing is that if they had in that meeting turned over like a canceled check to Hillary Clinton that was corrupt, um, nobody could say, "Well, I wish we hadn't gotten that meeting." And that could dry up if you go to the FBI. The, the culture of at least until now had been of people, and I've worked on I think five Republican presidential campaigns. The culture is that at the presidential level, you're taking custody of an institution in some way. And so if a bunch of foreigners show up trying to put spin on the election or give one side a weapon, you have a visceral reaction to that. And the first reaction is not, I can see a percentage for me here, it's fuck them. And that's the way it used to be. I grew up in the Jim Baker Republican Party. We're squeezing Russians when we did every day. Um, Now, because we've got a guy who's originally a wheeler dealer from real estate where everything's transactional, he's got cataracts on that kind of stuff. And what worries me is he's going to teach the Democrats to follow their own worst instincts, which are pretty bad. And now we're in some okay, you know, so, world of so for how For how long in history were we operating on that better level? Like we know Lyndon Johnson was having the CIA and the FBI do his spying, Oh, Bobby right? Kennedy, king of wiretaps. Bobby yeah, yeah, Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, Ted Kennedy went to meet with, uh, 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 not Gorbachev, uh, uh, who was the other Russian dictator for a short while? Uh, um, Andropov, I think. Andropov, okay. And to make gotcha. some deal about if running Reagan and, and yeah, but there's one thing about diplomacy. We got to deal with them. You know, um, it's another thing to get campaign. Help. No, this was this was political. You don't know that story. I'll, I'll send it to you. It was in yeah, yeah, For- yes. Forbes magazine where he met and, they, and he said, "Listen, I'll I'll push for this if you do this. That'll help me beat Reagan or something like that." You know, there's always been this kind of shady stuff. And then, yeah, I think that George Bush was a pretty honorable guy. I think Obama was a pretty honorable yeah, guy. foreigners is a line. I mean, there were, there's always been using the administrative resources. They, I've worked in the former Soviet Union. That's their line for it. We, we, we were doing a campaign once in the Republic of Georgia. We introduced a negative campaign ad to the Republic of Georgia. Luckily, nobody got killed. You know, the Americans show up, and we take it right to hell. But we were making progress in one area 10 days before the election, they turned off the power to two million people so their TVs wouldn't work for oh 10 days. Oh, my God. That was the, I'd never seen that fastball. Uh, that was the administrative resource. Well, in our politics, it's not uncommon. In October, the new bridge comes through. You're going to see Trump doing a lot of this next year. Um, things the government does to help one side look good. But that's domestic. It's, it's not directly engaged with foreigners like that. So let me, let me counter with the talking point that, um, that I've, I, I think has some logical weight which is that the Steele dossier was, after all, Hillary hiring somebody to go to get information from foreigners, including people active within the Kremlin. Yeah, I think that's a stretch. Hillary hired some former Wall Street Journal reporters who were legit people who talked to a legit former, you know, MI6 operative to, you know... Because he was, because he had manned the Russia desk. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, basically, he knew a lot of drunk Russian colonels were ready to talk, one of whom's been killed by Putin since then, by the way. Right. And a GRU general. You know, it's a rough game over there. Remember, they got two CIAs that hate each other and aren't afraid of killing each other. Um, and so there, there's a line of oppo research, like candidate goes on a foreign trip, uh, takes foreign donations. That, that's all legit. But it's when government agents are moving information that could be linked to a 
cyber attack where they were no, hacking. I'm talking about the Trump Tower meeting. Yeah. That wasn't any government agent, and he wasn't, they were running for office. Look, to me, it's like, okay, well, if, the drunk, if, if you hire somebody to go talk to the drunk colonel, that's okay. But if the drunk colonel just sends you an email that, you know, and wants to tell you something, now you've crossed some line. And yeah, to me, I, I think it's the, it's the hiring. Like, Donald Trump, was it Donald Trump Jr.? Or Donald Trump Jr., from what we know, just got this email and says, sure, if it's, what you, if it's what you say, I love it. Yeah, but Russian sources have dirt on our opponent. Let's talk to him from the inner circle of the campaign. That is a step that campaigns till Trump. But isn't that what Hillary, talk. isn't that what Steele was hired to find out, the same type of stuff? No, I think Steele was, what people were looking for, and I'm the idiot who ran the Jeb Bush super PAC. I spent $100 million bucks on the unstoppable Not your Jeb money. Bush campaign. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk to you about a dishwasher job later. No, I'm, I'm looking for The minimum for wage now. went up recently, so. Uh, good. Um, and so there, I understand the murky argument, but official government action is a little different than sniffing around offshore money that might be coming to Trump, which is why Trump won't release his tax returns, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but the do- according to the Steele dossier, which now we know might have just been all fiction, it said that we're getting information from people active within the Kremlin. And I, I just can't see the difference. I just... I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll tell you my one story about the Steele dossier, a little bit redacted. Before any of it came public, I was and I'm going to protect the hopefully innocent here, a retired general-level military intelligence guy walked up to me in an elevator who I knew was very, it served in Moscow, very much in the Russian thing, and came up to me and handed me a piece of paper that I opened up. And it was, have you heard about, it was half the steel stuff, months before steel. It was, a lot of stuff was rattling around the intelligence community. This is a super legit guy, uh, up to his neck in Russian sources, retired generals and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I, it does not surprise me that a guy like Trump, who has a lot of trouble borrowing any money in the U.S., would not have some money that the oligarch world has loaned him because they use those oligarchs the Kremlin does as part of their foreign policy. It's a pretty good way. Yeah, but he won't disclose any of that. So, look, we don't know. Um, but I think it'd be okay yeah. for Hillary to take the meeting to find out someone who okay, did know. Well, you know you we know. disagree on that one. Yeah. But, uh, and any Russians who are listening, Noam is looking for dirt on the Gotham Club. <laughs> so get over here and pass the envelope. We're, we're open for business. I, I think I, I, that's what I think about. So uh, I don't know, Joe, do you have any uh, comment on all that you want to get to? Right ba- all the way back to the beginning of the FISA debate. Uh, I think that you know Trump's going to be gone eventually, whether it's next year or four years. But the, the underlying issue is the FISA court, it doesn't work because we allowed people to spy at the highest levels of, of America, a, a presidential candidate, with, with basically a fake court. Because you can't have a court without two sides. It's basically a Harlem Globetrotter game of a court. <laughs> it's not a real basketball game. And the only reason we even found out about all these abuses is because it was at, at such a high level. But this could be happening all the time and we wouldn't know about it. And, a lot of those FISA court uh, judges, it's a rubber stamp for whatever the government wants. And we had this system that worked until 1978 when we had to pass that law. For some, for some reason, we made it that far without being allowed to spy on yeah, but now we anyone we wanted. It, don't we? We have, I mean, See, that's the threats. issue there. The intelligence community, it's been this whipsaw. So we have the first Iraqi war and the intelligence. And the CIA, most of the way, they've been wrong before, a lot. So we go rolling into Iraq first time open a few doors and we're like, holy shit, he's closer to a nuke than anybody thought. All the intelligence estimates were wrong. 
So they go back and they recalibrate the dial, and the second time they see, you know, a satellite, a crumpled up piece of aluminum. Oh my God, that's a trigger unit. Woo, 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 woo. And then they, you know, we're, he's got nukes. Now we get there and he doesn't. But the whole security apparatus, which is a bureaucracy of an inertia, likes to use its stuff. And so the FISA thing, there is a lot of pressure because God forbid a bus bomb goes off in New York City. It's not a mistake that it's hard to drive a car by all those crowds near the Christmas tree right now. You know, we have a massive, most American cities have uranium sniffers up on a building the government because of a dirty bomb. There's a lot going on. And those guys use their tools because they think if something gets by, it's on us. And pushing back on that, which was a lot easier before the modern internet, communication, terrorism, all the, all the, the things we have now, is, uh, is hard. It's hard to know where to land. So we can see the Pfizer thing's broken now. There will be a better fix, and you're right, because it, it happened at the highest level. That's scary a little bit that some bureaucrats can say, hey, on some cause, let's take a listen. On right. the other hand, Trump is, in my view, an incredibly unsympathetic hero in that cause, but you can make the argument. Impeachment. Yeah. I get the feeling you, 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 want, to, you want him impeached and removed. Well, I, look, I think the Ukrainian thing to me is pretty cut and simple. I think he's probably going to lose the election unless they nominate a socialist wackadoodle, which is a which is every candidate but Biden. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like uh, Michael Bennett. He's probably going to drop out in an he's hour because he got no money. Um, I don't. I, Mayor Pete. I like I, Mayor Pete. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know him, and uh, it, it, we add your two genius IQs together, and we're getting in the Mayor Pete uh, uh, level. Uh, he's wow. uh, ideologically he's a little left to me, but you know, so I can argue the candidates. But if it's Warren or somebody like that that Trump can work with to take the election from firing him, to look at that. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a little bit risky. So, but impeachment. The question is, did he put his own interest way ahead of the country's? Yeah, not supposed to do that, and he did obstruct too. So, if I were a Republican senator, be my last day in office because <laughs> some guy in a three-corner hat would beat me in the primary the next day. Fox News would explode, but I'd vote to impeach. Joe, I, 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 I wouldn't. But for I mean, for, you want to go first? I, I wouldn't either, just because at every hearing there was no direct evidence. It was, I heard this, and I we all knew, we all knew this, and we're getting the third-person view of someone else's conjecture, and you couldn't prove anything in a court of law like that. So, to me, it's it's a whole bunch of people who, mo for the most part, there's, I mean, there's some people who are are probably on Trump's side on this, but for the most part, it's. It seems like nothing. They have got no evidence of anything. Wait, can I ask a question, though? What, what's the verdict here of, so you know this guy has killed three people, but you don't have any direct evidence of a crime, so it's okay to get him on the traffic light, and it's okay to plant some evidence on him because you know that he's murdered other people? No, no, it's, it's never okay to subvert the law, <laughs> which is what Trump did, which is why I want to impeach him. So here's the problem. The criminal standard and the impeachment standard are not the same thing. Yeah. Impeachment standard, so yes, the, the question is, would a reasonable person conclude from a whole bunch of people who are in the decision-making loop that the president made it pretty clear to the the president of Ukraine, who was very vulnerable, he's got Russian tanks in his territory, desperate for anti-tank missiles. And in, in that environment where they held it up, something the Senate passed, by the way, not really even Trump's power to hold up, that's a whole other issue, in exchange for what was clearly expressed, at least to the people in the administration who Trump put in charge of dealing with Ukraine to shake this guy down to create an investigation on Biden for domestic politics. Now, it's true, there's no handwritten receipt 
dear Ukrainian president, no fucking missiles without an investigation. But everybody who was empowered on behalf of the government, our tax money, our secret badges to deal with the Ukrainians was in, and they all say they were in, on this pressure campaign driven by the president. So to me, I, I think they got them. So, so let, me get, let me run down the things that come to my mind when I'm trying to decide how I feel about this. First, first thing that comes to mind is, is the country better, will the country be better off for it? I worry, with an election 10 or 11 months away, that, that given everything that Joe said, which is true, carries less weight with you, but it's not, he's not spinning. It's true. No, if it were a criminal court, uh, Trump would probably walk, probably. So it's dangerous to create a political martyr out of a figure as, as cult-like as Donald Trump. So, so that's the first thing that worries me. Like, do we really... Do we really think the day after he's impeached, we're going to have a brighter political future? A brighter? No, I think that it can do a lot of permanent damage to the political. Uh, and people are going to, a lot of people are going to say they took him down. Yeah. They took no, no, him look, down. look. I, one of the, I agree with the best argument against impeachment is pain for the country and everybody's a juror. We got an election in 10, 12 months, whatever. So that, and that is both the best political spin and it is a legitimate argument on the institutions. Yeah. Problem is, Trump's already put a beating on him. And there's a point where you have to draw the line on rule of law. That's the counter. Well, but he didn't break the law. But well, he—they he, didn't—they didn't, so the, didn't even charge him with breaking the law. Well, well, the Southern District of New York may have their own ideas later, but no, for the it's time about the impeachment being, hearing. They, yeah, they, 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 the articles of impeachment. But, but again, that's, it, it's not really about—it's not the break the law standard. It's did he behave in a way that put himself in front of the national interest? That it, it, the American presidency is held together not by a rule book. On Thursday, you can't call the Ukrainians. It's held together by this idea. See, the founding fathers thought that we, other than maybe payola from foreign powers, we wouldn't have a president who behaved dishonorably. Yeah. So they didn't build an honor. Uh, Nixon had shame. Trump's remarkable thing is there's no shame. You can't shame him I feel like this is like a really important point, too, that this guy is just like, he's not accountable for anything to anyone. He doesn't care. He's accountable to the voters in 11 he months. He doesn't give a shit, though. He says whatever he... Doesn't give he, a shit, though. I mean, I don't, I don't think he does. He'll say anything. The actions ought to have a consequence at this level because when you start lowering the standard of behavior, you ruin the institution. I, I was against impeachment on the Mueller thing. But this Ukraine thing to me, and I'm a foreign policy nerd, so I, you know, I care about this stuff. It, it really has debased the currency of the presidency. And so, you know, look, I, he's not going to be impeached, by the way. What's going to no, happen is not the, be removed. the Dems are yeah, going to be removed. The Dems are going to pass impeachment. And the Republicans, maybe three or four will vote, which will be the Democrats will be able to say a majority in the Senate. But there's no way they're going to get 20 of those guys. We're all the new Republican Party. We used to have what we called the Jack Frost elephant. That was the logo, that 70s elephant. It now ought to be just a white guy duct taped in a chair looking <laughs> terrified because most of these senators, um, they hate him. They hate his ass. I'm Mitch sure McConnell, you turned out the lights and Mitch was alone, Trump for an hour, there'd be an axe murder. Yeah. But they know. I'll tell you what a senator told me. I've worked for a lot of these guys. I was barking like a mad dog on you know NBC or whatever. And, Phone rings, it's, you know, it's Foghorn Leghorn, and Senator says, <clears throat> you know, I'd love to do that. I was in the Oval the other day with this guy, and uh, he can't work the TV remote. You know, they had to bring in the military aid. I was afraid he'd reach for the football and push the wrong damn button. Jesus. He's unfit. But I go back to my state, and I say, this guy's an idiot, blah, 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 unfit, blah, blah, blah. My wife will speak to me again, but 
I will have a guy in a three-cornered hat and an aluminum Uncle Sam suit running against me in the primary. He'll be all over Fox News. I'll be getting killed. And Trump won't change at all. Right. Nothing will change other than I'm dead. And all the little legislation I passed that nobody cares about that saved the Velcro industry or whatever I've got in my state, none of that will happen anymore. So, And then I always say, great, one of ten of you do it. And then they always say, you're right, call me when you have the first three. <laughs> and so, you know, the Republican primary voters, it is a democracy, are with Trump. Two-thirds of them are. And I, I, that, that means way, the politics I, don't change. It I was would the same say, with Clinton on impeachment. I would say that it's not because they love Trump so much, it's because they hate the left. Oh, yeah. I, I call it the Boston Red Sox thing. Let's say you're a Red Sox fan here in New York. We will use them as our, yeah. our Petri dish. And your pitcher hits a, I mean, pitches a no-hitter the night before, and the next morning punches out a nun, gets drunk, pisses all over the street, and drives a car into a school bus. What you're going to say is, guy's kind of an asshole, but I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm not putting on That's the blue right. cap. That's right. That's and exactly it's tribal. right. It's exactly, here we are. Uh, it's, well, tribal is part of it. I, I like to think that I'm not tribal. No, oh, you're a contrarian. I, yeah. I've listened to this enough that you take, now, you know, it, it, you take the no side on, on almost anything. You know, it's uh, Juan Perón. Okay, come on. There are two sides to every story. No, I, I said to a, a, a famous law professor one time, I don't, I don't want to say her name, and, and we're, talking about, we're talking about bias. The story's going to fall flat. But I, I, we're talking about bias, and I said, listen, if everybody's biased. Bush versus Gore, the Supreme Court case, split five to four along party lines with no conceivable liberal conservative issue to separate them and I'm sure none of them thought they were biased and she said yes but somebody still has to be right yeah yeah and and so yeah we may you could hate the left because you're biased or because you're tribal or you could hate the left because you're right you know like yeah. that, that, that they are, are actually things to detest Trump has two kinds of voters yeah he has conservatives who hate the left and he's got people who, in a time when real wages have not gone up until very recently uh, in the country, what you actually earn, are thinking, I'm watching Wall Street, and those guys, when, they, when it works out, they get millions. When it doesn't work out, we bail them out. And I'm sitting here, and I'm being told because I'm an old white guy, I have to shut the hell up on every topic. Yeah. And I see the fancy people all kind of snarling at me. Uh, I'm uncool. So guess what? Cool. I'm not going to burn anything down. I'm going to vote for a guy to burn everything down. Right. And that's what happened. If you look at Trump's vote, he did worse than Romney in most suburbs. But there were some counties, my hometown of Detroit, north of there, Macomb, other places, where he did better than Reagan. He blew the roof off. The Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Luzerne County, he won by more than twice what Reagan did at his peak in that county. That's a county Obama ran narrowly when he ran. So in a few places, for voters like that who felt totally disconnected, Trump was a grievance candidate. You saw me fire Gilbert Gottfried on TV. I'm a can-do guy. I'm going to go shake the thing up and drain the swamp. And they said, sign me up. And it worked. I think we were all right. wrong on election night. So, so I want to get into impeachment. So let me, let me make the, the devil's advocate argument why they shouldn't impeach him on the, on the actual well, on the, You should on the do merits. a special episode where called Conventional Wisdom where you have to make the argument that's not the devil's argument. Well, there I, would be I, a, I, yeah. you, the thing about it is you probably had the experience when, when, you know, when you do that kind of thing, very often you convince yourself that you're right, you know, like in law school, you, it's your, you're, assigned, you're assigned to take one side or the other side, and, right. and you, you kind of lose perspective. Well, but, it's fun to be the devil's advocate because it's fun to be the devil, period. You know, so. It's fun to be the devil's advocate and, and also that when there's a lot of momentum on one side, right, they right. always overshoot. They right, always right, do. Right, right, right. Everybody spins, you know. So, uh, first of all, I be, you know, Charles Black, I recommend at home, Charles Black is, like the, is considered to be the leading um, 
impeachment expert. He, Neil Kachal says he's the most important expert. Sam Koppelman, who wrote that book with him, he's the one to refer me to it. And Kachal um, says that, uh, I mean, that Charles Black says that while impeachment doesn't have to be a crime, uh, the further you get away from a crime, the less certain you can be that this is just not, a, I'm paraphrasing, this is just, this is just not a political yeah. decision. And so people like Kachal have made the argument, well, you know, if a president were to nuke Canada because they don't like, because he doesn't like hockey, of course you could uh, impeach him. So then once you've established that, then they reach all the way down to this phone call and say, well, this, now we can impeach for this abuse of power. I think abuse of power is a totally nebulous term. And um, if Congress thinks this is an abuse, they could outlaw it. I don't, I don't know if they could. And then if he does it again, they could impeach him. But I think that uh, it, it's very dangerous to set the bar this low on this phone call where nothing happened and call that an abuse of power. See, I think in the policy of which the phone call was a cornerstone, something did happen. I think something happened too. So let me ask you this. But, and, then, and then there's a technical aspect, which maybe this is not going to be convincing. But, well, here's the question. The Hunter Biden thing, that's clearly dirty. You agree with that, right? Dirty is a tricky phrase because you can take it to infinity and then not say that's infinity. a crime. Well, no, not a crime. I don't think it's a crime. I, I think it's like, I think it's like. Uh, I think he was a mediocre investment banker who got European clients because he had a famous father. I don't believe Joe knew. And I don't believe Joe been any influence for him, but he traded like Billy Carter opening a beer line based on the family name. Well, Not this, uncommon with leading politicians. This is what I think. I think he was like uh, Frankie Pentangeli's brother showing up at the hearing in Godfather 2. That was the intention. Like, oh, that, it's over. I think that, okay, Joe, you be Burisma. Uh, and I'll be Hunter Biden. Uh, why, are you, why are you hiring me? I don't, I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't know anything about gas. Why are you hiring me for well, Philadelphia? Well, you have no, we're looking for an outsider who doesn't know anything about our no, business it, no, to really no, shake in, things In reality, up. what would be the reason that you would hire me? You're Joe Biden's son. Right. Okay, now I'm Hunter but, Biden. Wait, 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 now I'm Hunter Biden. What am I communicating by taking the job? This, I think, is a key question. I think I'm communicating, yeah, I'll be able to deliver my debt. Now, maybe I'm not going to do it, but I don't see, there's no way I, I don't know that that's why you're hiring me. And if I'm going to take your money, I have to be implying to you you're going to get something for your money. Now I'm Joe Biden, and I know that this has gone on, and I play golf with the board members. Yeah, let's do it again, and I'm Burisma. Okay, you go ahead. Because I've worked in a you lot know. of places. I worked for an oligarch once I, I, and lived to tell about it. You're going to do better than I did. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, first, you want hooker? That's generally how oligarch conversations <laughs> open up. <laughs> Mine was followed by, I said, no thing. Oh, you want boy? No, no, I don't want that either. Um, okay, so you are Hunter Biden, big American. Uh, I am oligarch. I, I am powerful and rich, but I get no respect. You are, you, you've been Studio 54. You big deal, Biden's son. I have enemies. Here, enemies kill me. I want them to know I have friends with big American. Nobody fuck with me. Here's some money. Show up. Wear a suit. Oh, this is interesting. So you're saying it's coincidence, and I, I don't, I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. Yeah. That it's coincidence that Biden was the guy in charge of Ukraine policy. Yeah, I, I don't believe quid pro quo. I, I, I've been around that way, and I can't guarantee this was it. But their internal politics are fierce. I've seen this in Latin America. I've seen it in the former Soviet Union, 
where they want to hire a flashy American, so in their internal politics, they look more wired. And their, their rivals say, this guy's got connections. Now, they assume the worst because their culture is all payola, but it doesn't mean there's payola. It, it, it's like a trophy wife thing. So I never, it never even occurred to me that they might have hired Biden without regard to the fact that, that, Biden was, that Joe Biden was now in charge of Ukraine policy, just like the Chinese when he was doing China. So Most of those oligarchs don't really want policy. They want respect. I had an oligarch come to me. I had a crazy experience. We drive up to this Disney World castle in the middle of the place that he'd taken over. This guy, along with Bear, Berezovsky, his partner, had basically stolen the General Motors of uh, Russia. They had a very interesting way to do it. They didn't pay any bills. They kept selling cars for two years and just pocketed everything. And they were in business with Putin, then it's a fight. Anyway, so we go to see the guy, metal detectors, Spetsnaz guards, scary stuff. And it was clearly all about, I want to be respectable. The ambassador was in another meeting with him. He said, I really want to see New York City. And the ambassador said, well, you know, the problem is we pick you up at the airport. There's an Interpol warrant on you, pal. But I am for democracy. I clean up, you know. And it was, he wanted classy American consultant. He was backing the good guy campaign probably secretly backing every campaign, but overtly he was for the reformers who I was working for. But it was all about cleaning himself up so he get a visa and go see, you know, Empire State Building. So don't underestimate their local politics, where having a flashy American around is helpful to them in their street cred with their guys, and the flashy American may not even meet their guys. So right. there's a trophy girlfriend aspect to this. Could be. Could totally be. You know, sometimes things are not as they appear, and sometimes there are these weird coincidences. It's quite a coincidence. And I, I do believe that Biden, and, and I don't believe Biden's inherently corrupt. I don't believe he talks to his son about this stuff. And they have a weird relationship because he's got a lot of dead kids, and he's psychologically damaged about it, which is every time, you know, I understand that, and I feel bad for him. Every time he gets a question about Hunter Biden, he kind of vibrates he's not good at it. He has to talk. I, that, that's, I mean, oh, they talk, but they don't talk about, hey, Dad, can you bend Ukrainian policy and ruin your chances no. of being president because I need a quick 50 grand this month. No, I don't but believe I, that. I can't believe, especially since we know it did come up in the Obama administration, I can't believe at some point Joe Biden didn't say to his son, what the fuck are you doing? This is making me look bad. Yeah. Well, I, I he should have. I, I can't believe that he didn't. And but instead of and doing if, that, we know he went to play golf with these if guys. If the shoe were the other, when the, were on the other foot, if it was one of Trump's kids doing the exact same oh, thing, of course, you can infer whatever you want, even third person. Right. I mean, there there wasn't even someone with first person yeah. information on this yeah. testifying, so you could say whatever you want about him. But with with Biden, well, we got to defend it. We got to look so, at, look at the. Now here's the next question. Whatever, whatever. The, is this something that an American president? has the right to look into. And let me, before I answer, I'll say this. I think that half the country would say, yeah, we want to know what happened with this Hunter Biden thing. We think that is the national interest. Do you, is it something the American president... Well, we have authorities domestically to investigate what foreign agents do if you represent a foreign government here. We have investigated and prosecuted guys who like to payola overseas for contractors. Yeah. You Here's know, my, trying to get I have an the ace in the hole. Tanker. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, up against the French and Airbus, try to try to sell an airliner up against them. Can I give uh, you my ace in the hole? Yeah. Nobody's making this argument. I'm the only one. Maybe it, it must be your reason because I'm stupid, but I but I, I think this is a direct answer. Do you do you recall what Trump said to Zelensky when he said, I have a favor, I want you to look into this Hunter Biden, this Joe Biden thing, whatever he said. Verbatim, no. He said, I want to put you in touch with the attorney general. Which, now you can believe whatever you want to believe about the reality, but 
nobody's talked about it, which in other words, he didn't say I'm gonna put you in touch with Rudy, we'll have some rogue organization. He said, I'm gonna put you in touch with the Attorney General, presumably an above board arrangement. Well, I think two flaws in that. One, it, that might have been the rhetoric, but he sent his personal lawyer over there to do all the deals, who was not shy about kind of flashing the badge, I'm Trump's man. You know, it was pretty clear. Yeah, but it is a good, and he it had, is a good point I'm making. Yeah, it's all right, but he had, it's a little sophistic, actually, because he had all his proxies who were the people represent the president abroad on the plan. You know, you're never going to get Trump on tape saying, hey, you give me this or that because I'm corrupt, and I'm Donald Trump. Everybody got that? I'm Donald Trump, and I'm corrupt. It just doesn't doesn't work like that. There are 18 people looking at the transcript every time a president talks. But you understand, you're, you're, you're now making an argument for impeachment, which is really based on, and you could be right, you're, it's not being, you're not going to be able to demonstrate it to the American people. You say, listen, you, you don't know how the world works, and this is, I know, been there a while, and I know what was going on there. So take my word for it, and we need to impeach him. But I don't think that's enough. You have to be able to show somebody dead to rights doing something that is I think we got him. I mean, you're not going to move me on this. I think it was pretty obvious he had his whole team shake down a very vulnerable Ukrainian president, who's a comic, by the way, just to add a little Comcast weirdo. I want to get him on here after a... You, you can see the show on Netflix. It's kind of... A, really? It, yeah, it's a, it's a sitcom uh, where a regular guy, a teacher, gets pissed off and runs for president. He wins, and then he's got all his corrupt family to deal with. Um, anyway, I, I think he clearly took aid they needed, aid the Senate passed, and he screwed with it in order to get a political investigation to have them help him as a proxy play in American politics. I, I think, think clear as day. I, I think that uh, opportunistic is not the same thing as illegal, and I think that if, if logically now, if I can say that this is something that an American president has the right to look into, then as opportunistic as it might be, He's within his rights to do it. And I don't know if you can answer this question, but I know there's the concept out there of wagging the dog. Is that a real concept? Um, I don't quite understand what the analogy is. Uh, well, The movie? The, the, no, the, the concept is that the presidents will do something militarily or to, 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 in order to benefit themselves politically, right? They say that Clinton bombed Well, Sudan. okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, Clinton sends a cruise missile the week before the elections to crack down a little bit. Is that any different than what you're describing? You know, I Except guess... that it, people die? It, it, well, no, it's not the moral loading. It's the fact that they have a policy, they do something in that policy, and that might have a political benefit, and that's part of the calculation. I, the I'd say the strong argument is the president doesn't send troops because that would be unpopular and give his opponent and, or her opponent a advantage. And by denying that, the political considerations are part of the foreign policy decision. That's I get it. It's, they're grown-ups. Nixon to China. He was trying to second time save his election. But taking the policy that the Senate voted unanimously to fund these weapons that was American policy and subverting it because he wanted a political favor in American domestic politics, not how his action would play being judged by the electorate, but he wanted them to create a news story to screw his opponent. That's a big step in a, in a, way, a direction. That's the line that was crossed. Do you think the aid was actually ever in jeopardy or he was just bluffing, trying to squeeze something out of the deal? You know, knowing how Trump operates, we can't know, but uh, he was, my guess is he was bluffing to get what he wants. But does if that you're matter the, to the case? Yeah, I think it does, because if you're, you're, as far as the Ukrainians are concerned, it's the lifeblood, and they're cutting it off. And so, you know, they, if you're the Ukrainian president, 
you know, you can't, well, he's only bluffing. Let's let the Russians take 10 more kilometers. No, it's life and death for them. Because what's his name, uh, Trump's chief of staff, Mick, Mick Mulvaney, is that his name? Mulvaney, yeah. Uh, he made, a, in one of those interviews, he said, well, we knew by September, whatever it is, we were going to have to release it no matter what, because that was the day the, the, yeah. the congressional well, I, thing. I walked into a bank the other day. I held a gun at the teller's head. She started to sob and cry, and then I left because the cops were coming, And but I was just kidding. It had the same effect. Right, but but I, I don't know. It just seems like removing a president on something... Uh, I mean, well, again, it, it's not going to happen because yeah, uh, I wouldn't do it. The, the, it's unlikely the Republicans will take the plea for doing it, so we're taking it to the jurors in the election. Okay. It's going to be weird, by the way, because they have to sit as a jury, the senators do, and a couple of them are going to be dying to be in Iowa for the caucus, which is at the end of February. They're going to be glued to their seat. And so I think they're literally going to be holding up iPads with, like, thought bubbles trying to find a camera because <laughs> these highly caffeinated, you know, the, the Klobuchars and the Warrens are, are going to be just gnawing the chains to get back to Iowa because Biden and, and Buttigieg will be running wild there all by themselves. Will Biden have to testify? Will they call Biden? You know, the, so here, here's kind of the behind-the-scenes best guess on the theater of this. One of the problems, what I think Mitch and the Republicans would like to do to wiggle out of this thing uh, for their own domestic political reasons, is pass a censure bill, which is like, you were very bad, you shouldn't have done it, but it's not impeachment, shame on you, bad dog. Pass that so you can go back home and say, hey, we censored the guy. Now you voters are the jury, you figure it out. Pretty good political move to let the steam out. Trump, however, being Trump, is like, no, 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 I want you to call Sean Hannity, I want you to call Hunter Biden, I want you to say the Democrats ought to all resign for having the you know, committed to attack me, yeah, me this is the, the dude that guy. brought in Bill Clinton's right. lovers to the front row of the debate, right? right? Right. Trump will not play ball, and he won't give the senators any move to room to wiggle and move to their own interests, which is no reason they all hate him. So God knows who they're trying to call, and it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Not Bill Clinton's lovers, Bill Clinton's victims. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, look, I think they're going to, I don't know if he'll have to appear. I don't know what the law is, but I think if, if Joe Biden were forced to take the stand, Poor guy, he's not that on top of it. Oh, I, he's I think look he's bad. I think he's pretty sharp. The problem is he has a thing about is he sharp? the hunter thing. That's he, he has not he, he in normal political sharp. rules he could have used this to go on offense, which is all right, Trump. You wanted a political hit job on me, picking on my kid. Let's talk about your two idiots, the one who was selling American <laughs> passports for cash. Let's on the general election's on. Let's have it now, you and me. And the party would have started falling in behind him because oh Christ, he's on the kill. Instead he rolled up in a ball and didn't handle it well which leads to the doubts of can he perform as a candidate. I've been short Biden for a year. I don't think he's going to get nominated. He's having a little comeback now. We'll see. But this Hunter thing, for I think understandable reasons, is a thing with him, and he's never been able to get on the go on. So if, he's, if he has to talk about Hunter, I, my guess is it won't be particularly good. Yeah, I don't think he could answer the questions that I put to you. Why did they hire your son? Doesn't it mean that he was going to deliver? Didn't you know that? Why didn't you tell him not to yeah, do it? Yeah, but he's got an answer to that, which I believe is the truth. What's the answer? Uh, they hired my son because he's an investment banker, and they probably liked him because he has my last name, but we've never talked about any of this, and I've never made a single policy decision to benefit anybody my son has hired. I, I get the appearance is bad, but the reality is no. Yeah, but why didn't you tell him not to do it? What, what, in the White House, we know that there was, this was discussed. That it was that In the impeachment hearings, the people who were blasting Trump said, no, that, was a, that, that looked bad. We were Worried about the the conflict of interest there. The optics are bad, but the optics don't always mean guilt. 
I mean, why did you play? Knowing all this, why did you play golf with these people? I played golf with everybody. No, but when you when you know, I, no, I'm, no, it's all optics. You, I, I no, no, see the point. No, no. Bad optics. No, I don't see corruption, optics. and I'm not even a Biden fan. I, it's not optics, and I think I think you might agree with me. When you know that these guys have hired your son because they feel that maybe he can influence the vice president. And you want to keep an arm's distance from that. You also know that if you go and play golf with those people, you are complicit in leading them to believe that this is all happening as they... Maybe. I think if you play golf with them and and you you don't in your actions break anything, you don't affect policy, you don't make calls, you just play golf with a couple of guys, not illegal, not corrupt. Bad optics, I agree. Not corrupt. Well, it is corrupt, maybe not illegal. It is corrupt. I well, well, I don't know. It, it, it has the appearance of being bad, but that is that the, the presumption there is that it wasn't a golf game. It was some secret meeting about bending Ukraine. Would you agree with this? If you were Joe Biden or if John McCain were in that situation, there's no way this would have happened to you or to John. Well, he didn't play golf because the Vietnamese beat him up with crowbars and he couldn't swing his arms that way. But you know what? But, you would tell your son no fucking yeah, way. Yeah, though McCain had an oligarch meeting. With Manafort guys. And there was a big fight in the campaign. How the fuck did this happen? Not publicly, internally. But no, McCain would not have. McCain was very pro-Ukraine. And and he would be, he would have blasted off. He'd be voting, I believe, on the impeachment side now. Along with maybe Romney and a few others. Dan left us some questions. And I'm sorry that... that, Oh, Natterman did? Yes. Where is Natterman? What happened to him? He's in either in Aruba or Atlantic City. Oh, Bagman. Okay. I got it. (laughs) He I said, always who, knew Dan was in the family. Who will be nominated in 2020? A Democrat. <laughs> um, you know, we don't know yet. I would say this. There are two candidates who've gone from low to high, which means they, they sell tickets. They have an act. They can, they can fill rooms. And that's Judge more recently and Warren from the beginning. Biden has declined. Smaller theaters still selling tickets. Those are the, the big three. Um, Bernie is still in his 20%, never goes down, often doesn't go up, might have a ceiling. Bernie has the money to keep going, and money keeps you going. Money lets you take a punch and keep going. Buttigieg has money. Warren has some money. Biden may not have that much money. If Biden loses early, Iowa, New Hampshire, February 2 through 9th, that Superman can't fly, and then he's probably done. And, it, then who, and then what happens? No Bloomberg. He doesn't uh, well, Bloomberg is hanging back if there's a train wreck, see if he can muscle his way in. Traditionally, it's very hard to start late. Others have tried graveyards full of them because you missed a big show. You know, it's How, like showing up the day after the Montreal Comedy Festival to get discovered. See, I feel like... Now, to not, use a tortured analogy for the... Comedy no, that was good. That's right on. Not, not, so not, is this selling tickets. That was good, too. Yeah, no, no. It's, <laughs> I worked in show business and politics. So what did you do in show business? Oh, first job I had in show business, I was a writer for Dennis Miller. I wow. didn't know <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Went to confession the other day. I said, you first. Um, <laughs> so a solid joke. It's not mine. It's my, I'm just doing, it's my shortest Dennis joke I can do. I could write the rants. Yeah, get your tin beak wet. Um, uh, on, on paper... Leslie, I don't know about Joe Biden. Well, Hillary Clinton is, in my opinion, closer to Donald Trump on the political spectrum than she is to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. How averse are the Biden voters to Elizabeth Warren and that wing of the party? Well, I want to address the premise first. I, I got yelled at on the air by Keith Oberman on oh. an NBC hit at the, the Barack Obama-Hillary Clinton convention. 
because I said on the air, he went nuts. Get this guy off. Wah! You know, just his head unscrewed. Snakes came out. Because I said, I think in the privacy of the voting booth, because, you know, all the talk was Brock won, Hillary people are mad, Hillary's showing up with Bill that night to do her speech. I said, in the privacy of the voting booth, I would bet money that Hillary will vote for John McCain, who was the Republican nominee in 2008. Because they were buddies. They had a famous drinking contest in, I think, Latvia where she drank him and half the bodyguards under the table. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, no, That's no, no. Amazing. Hillary, he liked her in the kind of like, she's tough. Um, and, you know, everyone couldn't imagine that. But the truth is politicians who are in primaries tend to hate each other afterward. And so they often, they, they're people, they get to do whatever the hell they want in the secret ballot. Uh, so I don't think Hillary's that close to Trump because Trump's a populist uh, wackadoodle in my view. But you're right. She is not on Team Warren or Team Bernie. And if it comes down to a, it's quite possible it'll be Warren or maybe Bernie as the thing narrows, like the final four, versus either Biden or Pete, or maybe, maybe Amy Klobuchar, if she can get a little magic going very soon in Iowa, uh, which she needs badly. She's got a little, but she needs more. And that is the schism between the progressive left and the more moderate center left. Uh, Hillary might weigh in, because she is no communist, believe it or not. Compared to them, I mean, I mean, Elizabeth Warren has chosen to be right out there. Now, she's backing off a little. She's leaving little breadcrumbs to be able to back off this Medicare for All thing, which is death on a stick politically. Yeah, um, I, 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 mean, I, I don't think she can come back. I think that just, just, just this constant backtracking, who, who? Uh, Warren. It's hard, you know, because she believes her crazy stuff. The other mistake she's making is kind of amusing to me watching the, the show, is she's constantly invoking Bloomberg, the big bad billionaire. You know, it's a cheap applause line. Gets her a little clapter, as my friend Downey used to say in the in the rallies. But Mike Bloomberg sitting up uh, up on the uh, up on Madison there with a big wallet, and if he gets pissed off enough, there's a red button he can push on the desk, and 20 million dollars of TV ads show up saying, "Let me tell you about Medicare for all. You're in a union. Cut your Blue Cross card in half. It's going away. You work for a corporation. You got a pretty good health plan for your family. Not anymore. You're going on welfare health care." Uh, he can clobber her. And so I'd be careful about the insults with a guy who literally has unlimited funds in the campaign. I, th- I think you're right. Who do you think is going to win, Joe? Democratic nomination. I, 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 don't, I don't even want to make a prediction because six months before the uh, primary in 08, I wouldn't have predicted Obama was going to win. I wouldn't have predicted Trump was going to win in, in, in 2016. I've, but the, the candidate I really like a lot is Tulsi Gabbard, and she's barely... That's Hanging Syrian, on. What, what did uh, Barry Weiss call it, a Syrian toady? She's an apologist for Assad, allegedly. I'll, I'll give you a little, little air there. Right. I, I mean, I'm pretty far conservative. I, 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 it's hard for me to know who people are going to vote for. I, I do think you're right. I think that uh, people are going to worry about electability. They don't want Trump, so they're probably going to go with a moderate. But those Bernie Sanders uh, uh, fans are, are passionate. Yeah. I think it. I think it had. Bernie has money. He can go forever. Just I think Trump is going to win again. I really do. The best thing Trump has done is this amazing Rasputin mindfuck on the Democrats, because before the week before 2016, everybody's reading Nate Silver in New York Times. Oh, we're going to win! It's in the bag. Woo! He's never wrong, and then Trump wins, and it's like he's got some magic flyover state hypnotic. Redneck voodoo, and you know, it's no, like, he's just I live in LA, I hear it every day. Yeah, he's got some trick, you know, he uses. And if you, if you market to market, like Wall Street guys say, if you had to sell this building tomorrow, 
You say, no, I want to wait three years. Only going to be worth. No, no, you got to sell tomorrow. What could you get? Cash in 24 hours, you get that bottom value. And in politics, everything is bullshit and pundits and polling except election day. That's where we count. That's where everybody was wrong. I was wrong. I said Hillary would win by three and a half votes. That was enough in the electoral college to go. But didn't happen because Hillary got most of her votes in 170 counties. There are 3,300 counties. So Hillary would run San Francisco up to 95, but was doing nothing in Michigan. And we've only had five of these elections where the Electoral College was different than the popular vote, which is why all the pollsters did the popular vote and thought three to four million, it's done. And it didn't happen all in the 20th century. It's happened twice in the 21st century, 2000 and 2016. And here's the trivia question. Who invented the Electoral College that liberals are so pissed about? Alexander Hamilton. That is the song that did not make the musical. Oh, really? Yeah, what the hell was I thinking? Cha-cha-cha. Oh, it's a joke. Yeah. No, no, it's a half joke. But the point is, it always amuses me that, you know, that, that the great villain was, of course, the great hero. So, the, okay, so now so we... So, the point is, yeah. um, a lot of this thing is not about the popular vote anymore. It's about distribution because you run it up in the city. So, a woke candidate is going to take New York or San Francisco up five points, does nothing to win. One pissed off auto worker in north of Michigan, in Mount Clemens, Michigan, is worth 25,000 people in California or 10,000 in New York. Which brings me to a question I all keep wondering about. These journalists who clearly, like an NBC, they're clearly polling for the Democrat. Why do they keep feeding us national polls? Why aren't they out there saying the national polls don't matter? The only polls that matter are these four states. Yeah, I, Democrats, focus on these four states. Nominate somebody who can win these four states. Well, with the exception of my paymasters at NBC News, who I love, um, the cable business, all three of them, every day is the Hindenburg. It's got to be the biggest day for clicks and ratings. So trivia gets elevated every day, and sirens go off, everything's breaking news. And polls are one of the few things where the media will create a story by taking a poll and then report on it. There's a thing called the Milk Gortzman rule that old political consultants like me talk about. There was a guy named Milk Gortzman. He was an old Kennedy political operator, very smart lawyer. He's dead now, but he, he was in the 70s a real wizard. Delegate counter. And he had the Gortzman rule, which was don't follow any national poll till after the first voting contest. And it's true. The national polls are a noise meter for what was on cable TV 10 days ago. But, not to make too much of it, but... Four years ago, you could forgive it because, as you said, we used to think that if the popular, if he's going to win by yeah, that in, much in, in October, popular the vote, general election. I'm talking about primaries, right? But yeah, but, but if he's going to win that by that much, and she she was okay. going by that much in the popular vote, you figure the rest will fall in line. Yeah, Gore was half a million votes. This time it was almost three million, and it still happened. But now we that know that's not true. Saw. As a matter of fact, we know that whether Trump wins or loses, he's going to lose the popular vote. We, that, we, probably, uh, if it's Warren, who knows? But probably. No. I can't. Probably. Uh, yeah. But here, here's, here's Trump's biggest problem other than the mark-to-market thing where he's stuck at 42%. Every election in the mark-to-market deal that we've had since he was sworn in, Republicans have done poorly. The only question is how poorly. We lost 10 governorships since Trump. We've lost a ton of congressional seats, worse since Watergate. So every time the country votes, they screw the Republicans. Now, maybe that'll all change, but that pattern is pretty clear. Trump's biggest problem is demography, and the number of white voters is shrinking in the electorate. If you go to the insur life insurance computer and you get the actuaries out and pay them off and you just adjust population for who's died, Trump probably loses uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and loses Michigan.
just in the, in the, in yeah. the trend since the last election. Mitt Romney carried voters over 65. If you're old, you know, we're, we're the president of old people. When the Republican Army's on the march, you, can, you know, we're slow but steady. So I pretended I have a walker here. <laughs> let the record um, show. Yeah, yeah. Let the, the tag joke is if they ever outlaw use tennis balls, the party will cease to exist. So the problem for Trump is he has to do a little better than last time. And we've seen the act. You know, how many people go to see Gallagher five times? You know, we're C. Well, yeah, you're, you're a connoisseur. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're C. He, headwinds. But if they nominate somebody that Trump can work with to change the to topic of the election, yeah, he could win. Anything, Joe? We're just about to get ready to wrap it up. Yes, I wanted to clarify. I said I'm far conservative. I meant I'm far out of the Democratic uh, electorate. But I'm, I'm rather moderate, I think. I, I don't want people to lump me in with someone. So uh, in the next article about the podcast, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Alt-right God, right. Joe Maki was on. No, no, no. You, uh, the, old, the old politician hack line is, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. It left me. Right. And, and, and that's interesting, There's too. There's truth to that, no? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It, it was such a close election that who didn't show up that showed up for Obama that didn't show up for Clinton. Uh, there's even polls that are controversial about... Uh, uh, the approval rating among African Americans for Trump that we don't know if they're true because one of the sample sizes, how many Democrats are they asking? But can you explain? It, this? It's pretty bad. I, I've seen. I, I would imagine polling. it is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, explain this madness to me. Trump won largely because he touched a nerve on immigration, right? Yeah, I would say a lot of what I would call grievance politics. But yeah. So what? Are the, what's, so you would think that the Democrats would come back and say. Okay, listen, this wall idea is ridiculous, but this is how I'm going to handle it. That's what I would say. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, I don't, I'm yeah. not, like, I, I think we, I don't particularly support a wall, but I would like to see the border controlled. Show me how you'll control the border. No, they say, this wall idea is ridiculous, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to decriminalize illegal immigration yeah. such that you can come over here on an airplane as a tourist, and if you stay, we'll pay for whatever. Yeah, the, uh, no, I, I, I get <laughs> this it. Is madness. Uh, I, I've spent 30 years running campaigns against Democrats. They always tend to go to the bad corner. But it's about politics. The center of gravity in a political party are the base voters that you have to appease in the primary. So the Republicans go run one direction, the Democrats run the other. And then you get to a general election and both sides tally up the weapons the others have given them by, you know, remember that one of the early debates, Castro raised his hand, how about open borders? And all the hands went up. Don't think the RNC video recorders went rolling on that. Well, this is, so, I mean, you, you talk about- But in about, the Democratic primary, they're afraid not to be for that. You, you talk about demographics changing. Other things that have been changing subtly is that every day a dollar buys you less and less in campaigns. Right. I mean, you talk about Bloomberg spending all these commercials, and I'm thinking, who even watches commercials anymore? Uh, a lot of people do, but I get your point. But let, And what was the last thing that's... I, I lost my train of thought now. But there's... there's uh, money's le worth less, and something else. <laughs> I totally lost it. All right, whatever. Well, things are getting more <laughs> fragmented and extreme. Old-fashioned campaign is harder with digital. I mean, what's really changed oh, everything, digital then, ability to send a message for free to millions of people, witness Trump. He barely had any TV ads. So I remember, but, I remember, I remember the other thing. They, and the ability to do anything under the radar is gone. So that years ago, I remember they talked about how, was it Clinton, Dick Morris, bought all these commercials in these small towns and nobody even knew about it and when he came he was, was getting like they think that they can work their way back to the center like they used to can you even do that well, anymore the, the i'm right you're evil politics has locked both sides into their nuclear core and if you're a traitor it, 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 here's the ugliest secret about the u.s congress 
you see them all fighting on TV and everything. A bunch of them are friends, but it's secret. It's like an affair because they don't want to get caught. They're, the members-only gym, which nobody can go in but members, they're playing basketball, and then they're out killing each other on cable and back. It used to be more that way, but there's still a lot of it because they're caught in this weird kabuki theater that they're in. Um, because the party base punishes compromise. It used to be, and I'm going to be off on the numbers a little, 435 congressmen. There are roughly 100 members of Congress between the most liberal Republican and the most conservative Democrat, overlapping, because you'd have New England liberal Republicans and you'd have conservative Democrats from the South. Now there are about four. Really? Yeah, so everybody's in a corner, and you're a traitor if you, like, make a deal. And that's what they're there to do is make deals. But the political incentives have changed. Deal is surrender. It's death. Because remember, in the equation of I'm right, you're evil, anything I do to you is good. I'm slaying a dragon. And so we're, having, we're throwing acid. It's like having the Ohio State-Michigan game. And recently, we Michigan fans have felt this way. At the end, we burned down the stadium and murder all the rest. Yeah, I feel like that's why evil. it's okay but to no get rid of Trump. Game. Pardon? I feel like that's why it's okay to get rid of Trump. I do think he is bad for the... I mean, look, I'm a right-wing Republican. I hate rooting for Democrats. But I well, think I'm he's got to go. I'm a far left-wing liberal, and um, <laughs> I think it's... I, I think that, you know, back to planting the evidence, I do feel like, you know, if you get rid of Trump, you are really getting rid of something that regardless of what well, party you identify with... I agree with that, but i got to steal the great old Don Rickles joke, which is we can agree as Americans to get together and get rid of Trump, and after that, we're going to get every one of you sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> because it'll be back to the war and the conservatives are right. But for now, yeah. Are you optimistic Deal. about the future of the country? I, I normally am. When I go to Silicon Valley, where I do some consulting work, I get excited because good stuff's coming and we're great at it in America. But I see our institutions falling apart. I see stupid take over our politics. I see fighting for no reason why the Chinese graduate 50,000 engineers a year. We have more yoga instructors here than engineers. I, uh, I worry. I worry maybe it's Britain in 1910. And what about identity politics? How is that going to tear us apart? Do you worry about that? Well, here's the problem. That digital power that allows anybody with a hot message, good or bad. To... In the old days, you go to a congressional campaign. The campaign manager would have 20 old ladies sending letters. There would be a lockbox full of stamps, $10,000 in stamps. And that was kind of the communications thing. That and you'd buy some radio or TV ads, a couple of billboards. Now the stamps are free. Donald Trump, a pre-aware title, as you know, we say in Hollywood, uh, can go out and blow out tweets and be, you know, Kardashian could run. So those rules are gone. The next step of that is you're going to see a, you on a YouTube clip that's blown out on Facebook endorsing Louis C.K. for president. And it'll look completely <laughs> real because it's a great fake. Deep, deep fake, yeah. And, and the problem with deep fakes is your body, the anthropology of it, we're wired that if all of a sudden a leopard jumps up here, we're not going to like, hey, wait a minute, you might not be, we're going to run out the friggin' door in a nanosecond full of adrenaline. So it is easy to hack the human brain with fake images, and they're getting good at that. That's Don't think the Russians aren't working on that stuff either, our other enemies in cyber. So the technology is going to start hacking the biology, uh, and that's a scary, dangerous thing. You're seeing some of that shit now in the, the Brit election, which is tomorrow. Who's um, going to win that one? Uh, uh, well, it's closing fast. There's a real, from my point of view, a real bad lefty there. Corbin. Corbin. Yeah, he makes Chairman Mao look like Goldwater. <laughs> and I worry about him because they've closed it, but I think Boris is going to pull it out. He's got his own problems, but I'm totally Tory. All right, anything else? Yeah, I, 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 when you told this, the story about uh, Hillary and McCain having the drinking contest, that makes me feel good about the country's future. Uh, me too. It's nice to know that people do get along and 
Yeah, I know Noam and I are, are more on the right side of the spectrum, but most of the people that we work with are far left or moderate or liberal, and we get along great, and that's kind of lost in the yeah. way things and, and go. You're, you're actually more right than I am on certain things. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and probably very left-wing on a lot of economic issues. But Yeah, you might be more left on economics than I am. I'm a business I, owner after Could all. I bring up something, one thing <laughs> yeah, real true. unrelated? Uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to the family of Chris Cotton, who passed away. He's a comedian, and... Uh, uh, real, real sorry to to have that tragedy, and uh, God bless. We're all we're all thinking of you. All right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, you know, I'm I'm pessimistic that uh, at a time when we're where we're moving towards a majority nothing country, you know, not white, not anything, that that's that that's the time that we've picked to decide that we that eat. That, I've said that. that what happens when pluribus doesn't want to become unum? I totally agree. It's the biggest sociological threat we have that we become fighting tribes. When the thing, the American idea has always been: you come here, it doesn't matter what tribe you were for, and you you know equal. Now we can be better at the equal opportunity thing. We're, we're making strides. We ought to. That's the moral cause that we all ought to agree on, and I think mostly have. But the idea we have to all break in teams based on our gene code. You know, one of the interesting things without going off on a long time-killing tangent about where the media totally got this campaign wrong, there was this presumption, which shows the, the bias built in. I don't think it's a Republican-Democrat bias, it's a sociological bias, that the polling has shown that one reason Kamala Harris didn't make it and one reason Cory Booker is in such trouble, even though the media kept saying, well, African-Americans are going to back an African-American candidate, they have chosen not to. They have chosen not to vote skin color, but to vote what they perceive as free-thinking voters. Their interest is, which has been Biden, who one, they have a connection to because he loyally worked with Obama, and two, he has looked like, to date, may change, the candidate who can beat Donald Trump, which is a priority. So people are showing free will against what they were expected to do. Same with women. Half the population are women, yet there's one female candidate left in the race other than Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, who's barely getting arrested in the national polling anywhere but Iowa. And even in Iowa, she's, she is, her gender gap is not that big. So this presumption that people vote their, the gene code of the candidate is totally wrong. And that is a good thing that people feel free to choose and are not imprisoned by that. But the political correctness of the media says you ought to be, and it's going to happen, and it never did. So we've had another mark-to-market moment so far. If Cory Booker soars and comes in second in New Hampshire, I think he will run the table of African-Americans because he will prove he can win. It won't just be his skin color, yeah, which is a good thing yeah, about America. Yeah, you, you, people are criticizing it, but I, I, took, I took the same lesson. Like, well, it's kind of nice that they're not supporting the black candidate just because he's black. Well, automatically. You know, he's, yeah. he's got to earn it like everybody else, and I'm actually surprised he hasn't done better. He's a pretty good candidate, and I... I'm on the national board of the, the Public Charter School Association, uh, where we support that movement. And Corey, in a Democratic primary full of angry teacher unions, has been incredibly courageous. I would be more than delighted if Corey won the nomination, because he's shown me political courage. He's also talked about growth, which is an yes. important word, but in a Democratic primary these days, a dirty word. In the last debate, he was terrific. I'm going to send him a check. And he's a smart but, dude, too, right? Yes, yeah. he's a serious person. He yeah. ought to be doing better. But the point is this presumption that everything is identity and race and gender, not true. People choose things. Sometimes they make bad choices. Sometimes they make good. I'm not talking about the moral loading of what ought to be, but what is, and the media ought to learn that. Well, is it true that if, if we become a successful multi-ethnic society, we will be the first one in the history of the world. 
and I mean, everywhere else. Canada's pretty good, but yes. Canada, they talk about secession all, every, every 10 years, they talk about secession. <laughs> I've worked secession. there a lot, it, 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 it works pretty well. The thing is, we, we were founded on a highly secular idea of you come here and you become an American. Yes. And th that is our secret sauce. And if we give that up, it's uh, yeah, so, it's so not good for the next generation. You would think that smart people would be saying, human nature is is a, is a dangerous uh, thing here. What should we be doing to try to pull together as one people? What are the things we should be focusing on? It seems like we're doing exactly the opposite of all those things. But maybe it'll... Well, McCain used to always say his campaign was about, and I think this should be the national cause, which is a mission and a cause greater than our self-interest. A big purpose. Kennedy was great. We're going to go to the moon. Can't be done. Yes, it can. We're Americans. And there's a lot of things like that you could harness the whole country of. And here's a little thing about people. You know, we've known in anthropology for a long time, humans generally want to create a team and do stuff together. It's kind of the instinct. So we, we should lead the world in the next century and do great things. A lot of great things we could do to make it a better country. On that note, yes. you I know you have a spot in 10 minutes. Yeah, you, wait, but Mike said something really nice to me about Joe. And since he's here, I thought maybe oh, you might okay. want to no, tell no. him. What I said, I said, hey, does he go out for pilot season? He's very castable. Oh, got I a think great so TV too. face. Oh, thank you. A deadly comic. We should talk. Oh, someday, someday. I, I work so. as a writer, producer, in show business. Done a lot out there, so. Oh, I, I would yeah. love to. I'll, I'll, I'll make right. a connection. Thank I want to give you the ult He is the best. He okay. really is. He is the yeah. smartest. He's the funniest, and, and he is. He's, he's yeah. forgive me. He's quirky enough to to you see no. him once and remember. Well, That's, we were talking about it before we came on about we were singing your praises. Oh, thank you so much. That's why I, I want to go catch your set before I have to run to oh, great. communist MSNBC and do Brian Williams. <laughs> That's <laughs> why this podcast yeah. ended with some opportunity opening up for Joe Mackey. Well, we'll see, but I'm a fan, so I want to see. It would be worth all the abuse I've taken. Oh, it would be God. worth getting canceled, <laughs> even. Oh, that would make uh -huh. me that a cause greater than myself. And can I close on a plug? Because I promised yes. Axelrod I would. We'll yes. plug this, too. Hacks on Tap with Murphy and Axelrod, two longtime opponents, close friends. We don't hate each other, but we talk about what's really going on the campaign every week. Do you guys iTunes. hang out in New York at all? Yeah, once in a while. Can't you yeah. guys come down here one night? Uh, sure. Yo, he'd love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. I heard, I heard one of his And follow us really on Instagram him. at Live from the Table. And if you want to email. Podcast at ComedyTotal.com. Thank you. Good night, all. everybody. Good Thank night. You. Thank you. Thank you. That was fantastic. That was great. Yeah, that was great.